The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Today's episode is sponsored by Bright Peak Financial, a non-for-profit membership organization providing Christians with the right products, tools, and resources to gain financial strength. Go to brightpeakfinancial.com to create your financial success story. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey everybody, welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. You can't believe who we have on today. Well, you may already know who we have on today, but I have to tell you, I am so excited to be welcoming our first guest. I watched a wonderful documentary recently called Vegan Everyday Stories. We're actually going to be having Eric Day, the filmmaker, on in a couple of weeks to talk about that lovely film. But I have to say, even though he interviewed so many interesting, inspiring people, that movie was just stolen and carried away by one particular person who was featured. And she is our guest coming up right now, Genesis Butler. Now, a couple of things make her extra cool. One is she's nine years old. But you know what? A lot of people are nine years old. And they're cute, and a lot of them are precocious, and kids are cool. But every now and then, you run into a nine-year-old that you know is going to change the world. You heard it here. Genesis Butler is an animal rights activist who stopped eating animals at age three after she herself made the connection between where her food came from and the animals she loved. Genesis is featured, as we said, in the new documentary, Vegan Everyday Stories, where she shares her story 
on how she went vegan and became an activist. Welcome to the show, Genesis. Thank you. It's just so much fun to talk with you. So start from the very beginning, way back when you were really little. You used to eat chicken nuggets and things. What changed? Well, I was three years old, and I asked my mom where we got the meat from. And she said, oh, from the grocery store, and I felt deep in my heart. No, that's not really where we get it from. And she said we killed animals for it, and I was devastated. So I told her I never want to eat animals again, and we were vegetarian. And a year later, I was five and a half years old, I asked my mom where we got our milk from, and she was nursing my my baby sister, and she said that we got it from mama cows, and I said, that's like somebody stealing your milk. And she said, that's exactly how it is. And I said, well, I don't, I don't want to eat. I don't want to drink milk ever again. So she said, okay, we'll go vegan. <laughs> In the film, she was pretty good. She, she was almost like, oh, my gosh, now I have to go vegan. But you've converted your whole family, right? Yes. That, that is exciting. Now, what do you think there is about you that makes you hear these things and then change? Because a lot of your friends know where meat comes from. They know where milk comes from, but they still eat it and drink it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that some kids, well, I think what it is is it just depends on how your parents are. If your parents are fine with it and they let you do it, they can either do it with you if they want to be extra supportive or they can just say, you can do it and I can still eat my milk and and my meat and so I think what's happening is that since my parents are supportive and stuff that's why I'm I'm the way that I am and that's why I be I'm vegan yeah it's very cool so do you ever run into any problems does anybody ever say you're not getting enough of some nutrient or something like that well, um, sometimes I do, but I have these cards that say, where do you get your protein from? And then it has, like, tofu, and it shows beans, and it shows, like, yogurt, and all that good stuff. Right, and that's non-dairy yogurt. I think sometimes people don't even think we can eat stuff like that, because they don't know there are vegan versions of practically everything. Yeah. So you live in California. Do you think it's a little bit easier there than if you were someplace else? Yes, because at first when we went vegan, we thought that we wouldn't be eating anything. But once we went to Ralph's and everything, we were walking around and we saw a ton of stuff. We saw stuff from vegan crab cakes to vegan sausage and everything basically that other people can eat, we can eat, but in a vegan version. Absolutely. So talk about your activism. I know you speak for sometimes really big groups of people. And you seem to be very content with that. You don't seem to have stage fright or anything. Yes, I love speaking in front of people because sometimes it will, if they're vegetarian and everything, I can get them to change to go vegan because if they see that I can raise my voice and at a young age of nine, I can be vegan, then they can do it too. Well, that's wonderful. I love to speak too. What's your birthday? My birthday is November the 14th. Oh, that's my mother's birthday. Wow, how interesting. 
Well, that's a very strong sign, a Scorpio. You can get out there in the world and do a lot. Now, I know you're working on a particular project now in in your own city to get wild animals banned for use in entertainment. Tell us about that. Yes, I am going to be working on wild animal ban, and what I'm going to be basically be doing is I'm going to tell city council how all the animals are treated, and when I was protesting, I saw the animals were treated bad. They were in bad condition. They were losing hair. They 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 didn't have no food, no water, barely any 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 shade, and I'm going to be telling city council that, and I'm going to see what they say. And then hopefully we'll be able to ban circuses. And basically for me, hopefully other people would want to do the same thing so we can get the circus banned for good. Wow, that would be fabulous. Now you have another project. You're you're going to be teaching an animal-themed art project for homeless people? Yes, for Art for Animals' Sake, I'm going to be teaching animal-related art projects to homeless adult people on Skid Row because I think it's I can raise awareness and I, I will make them feel peaceful and good about themselves. And I'm going to be probably doing, for my theme, is probably the environment because uh, I can be doing the drought, how we're going to be in a drought because of the meat and... Hopefully, that will raise awareness. Yeah. Now, Genesis, I happen to know something about you that there might be, who knows, some sort of genetic component to the way you are because you're not the first person in your family who's ever dedicated their lives to making the lives of others better. You want to tell us about your famous relative? Yes. Cesar Chavez is my fam- is my famous relative, and I think the reason why I'm vegan and how I'm so happy and peaceful is because of him. Because I saw this here Chavez movie, and people would say that they were going to shoot him and everything. But he was still strong, and he ended up not eating because he wanted he wanted to raise awareness. And he was a very, very great man. He certainly was, and certainly a vegetarian himself. And one story that I remember hearing about him was that his mother, and I'm not sure I would get all the um, family relations right to say that she was your great, great, I'm not sure what, but anyway, Cesar Chavez's mother told him, and I guess his siblings, to always feed the animals first before the people eat because the animals don't understand why they would have to wait and people could understand that. Mm-hmm. Had you heard that before? No, I haven't. Yeah, I always thought that was a really good story. And sometimes when I'm really hungry and want dinner and my dog is looking up at me with those doggy eyes, I think of your great-great-uncle and feed the dog first. Yes. So what's it like going to school and being you? How do the other kids react? Well, it's like, since I'm a fourth grader, uh, going to fifth this year, they're not that bad anymore, because at my old school, they would always be teasing me, and I got this one kid that would always be teasing me to stop, because I had sushi, and it had avocado, cucumber, and stuff in it, 
and he said, he said, ew, what is that green stuff? I said, it's called avocado. He's like, ew, that's disgusting. And I, and I said, you want to know what's disgusting? That bacon. He said, ew, but that's not good. And I said, well, you want to know what's not good at all? Eating a pig's butt. He left, <laughs> he left me up. That's really good. Yeah, I've been hearing just the past couple of days about people being teased. Adults. Uh, I heard about um, a young woman in, in her early 20s who actually, you know, got, got some trouble. For it. You know, some professional people were saying, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be vegan. And then I also heard from some adults, you know, like my age, that one of their relatives was saying, Whenever we mow the grass, we always think we're going to come up with some food for you. And I just think how immature people are. <coughs> it's, um, but not you. <laughs> You're doing everything right and changing this world. So what's, what's your message? What, what do you see for when you have children of your own? What do you want the world to look like? I want the world to look peaceful and with animals to be free, no meat. I want basically the whole world to be vegan. That sure sounds like a good world. Have have you been to farm sanctuaries? Yes, I love that place. (laughs) What's your favorite animal? I love goats. Ah, what's special about goats? Um, I just love the way how they're so adorable, and I like how they roam free, and their hooves are so cute, and basically, I like those animals, I I like goats, and I love all animals. Yeah, me too. When you're at a farm sanctuary, it's just, I can't even describe to somebody who's never been to one how cool it is. Because those animals are all there to just talk to you and greet you. I remember one time everybody was paying attention to these little baby pigs. And there was a, a, a burrow, a little donkey in the same barn. And nobody was paying attention to him. And he just started making all this noise like, hey, hey, over here. There's somebody huh. in this world who's as cool as a pig. Come over here and pay attention to me. And anybody that says that animals don't have emotions, they're just not paying attention. Yes. So what is your professional plan? Do you have an idea for what you might want to be when you get to be big? I will probably either be a vet or I will help rescue animals out of the slaughterhouses. Oh, that's a good thing. Unless you have gotten all the slaughterhouses closed down by then. So I I know it's not really fair to ask you to speak for your mom, but... Just what do you hear from her? How do you think she feels about you and all these things that you're doing? She's fine with it because every time that I see a protest or something, I, I'm i the one who actually looks for the protest that we should go to. And I ask her, hey, can we go to the Ramos Bros protest or something? And she'll say, yeah, sure, that's fine. And, yeah, we go to protest and stuff. So she's fine. That's fabulous. I raised my daughter vegan, and we used to go to protests a lot. And when she was little bitty, like three years old, I was going to this protest that I thought might be a little bit unsafe. So I wasn't going to take her with me, but she absolutely (laughs) demanded, I have to go, I have to go. So I said, okay. Then she said, I have to have a sign. And this was a protest where 
we were trying to get them to not grand calves in their face. It was a horrible, horrible proposition. And even the dairy farmers didn't want to do it. And they were also marching with the animal rights people. And she said she wanted her sign to say, don't kill the cows. And I said, but they're going to kill the cows anyway. Your sign needs to say, don't hurt the cows. And she looked at me like I was stupid. And she said, killing hurts. And I just love it thinking about her way back when and thinking about you right now and all the cool stuff you're doing in the world. Do you have a final last word for our listeners? Yes. Um, my final last word is that just always believe in yourself, no matter the people that try to bring you down, and just always raise awareness no matter what. Amen to that. Genesis Butler, you are so, so cool. I'm really looking forward to getting to meet you one day in your lovely state or if you come to New York City. Everybody, if you want to find out more about Genesis, of course, you can watch the film Vegan Everyday Stories or you can go to Genesis's website, genesisforanimals.org. She's on Instagram at a vegan child's journey, no apostrophe, just a vegan child's journey. And we'll have all of her social media and ways to find this remarkable young woman all over the internet. So if you just go to the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net, click on podcast, then click on show notes, you'll find out how to be in touch with Genesis. Genesis, thanks for your time. Thanks to your mom for making all the arrangements. And may all your dreams come true. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks so much. Everybody else, stay with us and put your chef's hat on because we are going to be welcoming Jason Robel, Super Chef, and his brand new book, Eternity. Stay with us. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What does simple living sound like to you? Is it a quiet moment on your front porch? A cold beverage after a long day? Or maybe spending quality time with your family. Whatever it is, simple living is a powerful act of joy, abundance, and refreshment. Want to simplify your life? Join the Simple Living Challenge by Bright Peak Financial. It's an inspiring and easy 14-day challenge to help you cut down on life's clutter to lead a simpler, more balanced life. Go to simplelivingchallenge.com to sign up. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. 
Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to start talking about food, glorious food, really, really quickly. A couple of announcements first. You know that uh, the Plant-Based by Nafsika show has started, Vegan Talk Show, on the FYI channel, a subsidiary of A&E. Here in New York City, it's on at 7.30 on Wednesday morning, so you'll need to check your local listings. But I do want to let you know that... A week from today, if you happen to be listening live, that means I'm talking about August 17th, I'm going to be a guest on Plant-Based by Nefsika, and so will Adrian Borgerson of La Fashionista Compassionista magazine with a lot of wonderful models and cruelty-free fashion, so do check that out. This week over at MainStreetVegan.net on the blog, we've got a really fascinating piece called Effective Vegan Advocacy, Choose Your Audience and Your Words Wisely. This comes from Vicki Stevens, who is a Main Street Vegan Academy certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. She is also a master's degree nutritionist, and she works with the good folks down at Humane Society of the United States. And here's our really big, exciting news. I'm just so humbled and honored. Our humble podcast has been nominated for favorite podcast in this year's um, Veg News Veggie Awards 
lots and lots of people are nominated. And the cool thing about being in a contest with a bunch of vegans is it doesn't matter who wins because we are all changing the world. But if you do want to vote, not just for Main Street Vegan or somebody else's podcast, but for products and restaurants and organizations that you truly love, just go to surveymonkey.com slash R, small letter R, slash veggie awards, veggie with two G's. And this will all be in the show notes, so you can just take a visit there and find out about our guests and about the stuff going on. And also some information that you might not know yet about the man of the hour or the man of the 37 minutes, Jason Robel. He's a celebrity chef, but you know that. That's what happens when somebody's a celebrity. Everybody knows. He's a YouTube host, the first vegan chef on the cooking channel, and author of the new Hay House cookbook, Eternity, more than 150 deliciously easy vegan recipes for a long, healthy, satisfied, joyful life. Welcome, Jason Rebell. I'm so excited to be here with you, Victoria. I've, I've been a huge fan of your work for so many years, and, um, and it's just an honor to finally be here with you. Well, you make me blush, but it's radio, so nobody knows that. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you have a question for Jason, and you happen to be one of the few, the proud, the live listeners, because I know almost everybody listens to the podcast, you can actually call in, ask Jason your health or culinary question, and we will send to your very snail mail box a coupon from So Delicious Dairy Free. Now, not some little 50-cent coupon. This is a $7.50 coupon for ice cream or non-dairy milk or, oh, my gosh, whipped cream. Whole foods are fabulous, but it is summer. You know, a little ice cream might be nice. So give a call, 888-558-6489. With your question for Jason and uh, win yourself some ice cream or another goodie. So, Jason, Eternity. I love how this book is laid out. It's so unique. It's not like any cookbook I've ever seen in my life. Where did you get the inspiration for doing something so creative? I First of all, I appreciate the effusive praise. And, and you know, I wanted to lay this book out, Victoria, in a way that was kind of this hybrid between, you know, a really beautifully done vegan cookbook, of which there are many, but I wanted to make sure that people understood that there were tangible functional benefits to all of these delicious plant-based foods. So, you know, instead of breaking it down like desserts and entrees and breakfast and salads like many other cookbooks do, I organized it by benefit chapter. So, you know, we've got eat for better sex, eat for better sleep, eat for muscle building, eat for strong bones, eat for healthy eyesight. So we've got 14 chapters in all, and this was really an extension of what I tried to do and what I felt like we successfully accomplished with my uh, my TV series on Cooking Channel that was on for two years, where we presented vegan recipes, but we wanted to make sure that people knew, hey, if you eat this way, you might experience some direct physical benefits and lose weight and feel better and have more energy and, of course, you know, be spreading more compassion and eco-friendly living as you're doing it. So this was really kind of just an offshoot of the TV, you know, the TV concept. Well, it's it's enchanting because you can think, oh gosh, I've been having trouble sleeping. 
Well, what cookbook can you go to and say, let me make dinner that's going to help me sleep? It's really brilliant. But <laughs> Thank you. You said food for better sex, so nobody cares about better sleep at this moment. And they can't wait to order your book because they won't get it till tomorrow. So tell us about food for better sex. Okay. So one of the biggest minerals that a lot of people are deficient, and I think the number one mineral that most Americans are deficient in is, is magnesium. And magnesium is really one of the most important things that we can, we can have in our diet for better sex because it regulates our hormones. It's good for blood flow, not just for our heart, but blood flow everywhere in the body. Uh, it helps to reduce cortisol, reduce stress in the body, helps us sleep. So I, you know, I recommend highly magnesium-rich foods, things like pumpkin seeds, sea vegetables, walnuts, uh, kabocha squash, Brazil nuts are great. Um, some other vitamins uh, would be B-complex vitamins. Uh, vitamin D are, is also very important. And then anything that we can do to increase our testosterone levels, that's for men and women. So one of the best things that, that I recommend doing is some form of, of weight-bearing exercise. In addition to eating these healthy plant-based foods with the B vitamins and the magnesium, you know, anytime we do any kind of muscle building, whether that's push-ups or um, yoga or weight training, any kind of body weight resistance helps to increase our testosterone, which leads to a better libido. Fascinating. So you know a lot. I mean, obviously you know how to be a chef and you know a lot about nutrition and holistic health. So let's just go back a ways and tell us where it all started. It all started in, uh, in the 90s in Detroit. Uh, and, and in the 90s in Detroit, Michigan, uh, uh, being a vegan was a really challenging proposition because I think I was one of only three people I knew that were doing it. And, you know, the seed of inspiration, Victoria, was, uh, was my grandfather passing away from cancer when I was 18 years old. And, um, you know, it was really a challenging moment for me to, to lose this, this really strong male figure in my life. And, I started paying attention to how I was eating and living, uh, how my family was living, how we, we were all treating our bodies. And at that time, I was eating a fully standard American diet and really paying no mind to what I was putting into my body, how I was treating myself. So over the course of three years between um, 1995 and 1998, I started just researching holistic health. And what initially started as a desire to get healthier and feel better and lose weight led me to... Um, the condition of animals on factory farms and slaughterhouses. Uh, mad cow disease was really starting to come into uh, our collective consciousness in, in the 90s there. And what initially started as health opened up to compassion for animals, uh, environmental ethics. And three years later, I was fully vegan and, uh, and never looked back. And three months after I became vegan, my mom became vegan. And, uh, and now a great majority of my family back in Detroit are, are living a vegan lifestyle. So it's awesome just to see how far we've all come. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Detroit is a wonderful vegan area. That great uh, new restaurant Dr. Joel Kahn has and their big yes. Veg Michigan Veg Fest every year. That's so it's cool. Come a, it's come a long way from the 90s. It's, uh, every time I go home, there's, there's, a, there's a new vegan restaurant that's opened up in Detroit. It's, it's yeah. incredible. Well, I think that's really happening all over the country. I was a vegan in the 90s in Kansas City, Missouri. And that's wow. another one that has vegan restaurants, vegan meal delivery service, a vegan coffee house. And I'm not sure we even have an actual vegan coffee house in all of Manhattan. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting to see what's happening 
all over the place. So how about the chef part? Did you just always know how to cook, or is that something that you got into after the vegan bug bit? You know, I think I think there were two bugs here. I think I think the first bug was being in the kitchen at a very young age and watching my my grandmother and my mom cook such amazing, delicious meals. And with a culinary upbringing on uh, my mom's side of the family was Polish, so there was a lot of um, you know pierogies and guomki and and stuffed cabbages and and things like that. And on my dad's side, it was Puerto Rican food, so a lot of rice and beans and plantains. So I always loved being in the kitchen helping out. Um, when I decided to become vegan, though, I realized that if I was going to do it healthy and do it long-term, which was always the intention, that I had to really learn how to, I guess, assert myself and come into my own in the kitchen. So my mom was such an amazing support mechanism in the sense that she showed me how to you know, adapt recipes that we grew up with and make them and veganize them, which was awesome. But then in 2005, uh, I moved out to California. And I, I, well, two things happened. Number one, I was trying to, to uh, have a career as an actor and a musician, and that's really challenging to do and make a really good living uh, in a place like Los Angeles. And I thought, okay, how can I, how can I pursue my artistic pursuits with music and, and acting, but actually make a, you know, make a good living doing something else I love? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to go to vegan culinary school. So I went to the Living Light Culinary Arts Academy up in uh, Northern California. It's about three hours north of San Francisco. Oh, and I came out of their chef's training place. program. It's oh, it so amazing to go there because, you know, they covered everything. They covered knife skills and flavor balancing and recipe creation. And we had a whole nutrition component with vegan nutrition. So um, that was really a big turning point for me 11 years ago in my career. And I, I came out and um, just jumped right in and, and started doing vegan chefing. How cool. <laughs> I love people's stories. They say humans are a storytelling species, and that's, we are, no question about it. So what do you find today, Jason, is the most rewarding thing about being vegan? Uh, That's a really, really insightful question, because I think in some ways, Victoria, the, the the answer isn't all that different than it was when I started, whereas I know that my everyday choices are contributing to, you know, relieving the suffering, relieving the, the, the anguish of other sentient beings on this planet, whether that's animal suffering and, and animal cruelty, whether that's um, lessening the burden on our environmental resources, or, or it's simply through my own, you know, actions, inspiring others to examine this lifestyle and try it out for themselves. So, in many ways, it's the same, you know, it's, it's the same thing that I, I enjoy about this lifestyle that I have for 18 years. But, you know, through the advent of social media now, one of the things that really warms my heart is, is getting messages from people all over this world. You know, you get those messages from people in Asia or Australia or, or Alaska, wherever it might be. And they say, hey, you know, I found you on Instagram or I found you on Facebook or YouTube. And, and I just want to thank you for inspiring me to eat more plant-based and, and move toward a vegan lifestyle. So, Getting those random messages are, are kind of the fuel that, that helps me keep going and, uh, and you know, keep delivering this message of compassion. That's lovely. One of the things that I see with vegans is we don't just do this and keep it to ourselves. Almost everybody that I know has some sort of 
of side business or some kind of little cause or organization or they're going to do a festival or or they're going to do a blog or they're already doing all of the above. It's really cool, maybe because we get so much energy from the food and maybe because we're just spiritually energetic anyway. Yeah, I think it's I think you touch upon something where for me it it almost feels like for lack of a better word a, a mission um where you know people have asked me the a similar question like you know what what's the most important decision you've ever made in their life you know was it going to culinary school was it was it you know moving to California and I say no it was choosing you know it was choosing veganism you know if I if I look at a major turning point in my entire existence it was when I chose that lifestyle that so many things changed in my life, not, not just physically and, and ethically, but I mean, it set me off on a whole different life path. You know, I, I almost don't know what my life would have been like looking at how the dominoes have fallen had I not chosen to be vegan. You know, I, I, I sometimes don't want to think about that alternate reality because I love the reality I'm in. <laughs> it, it does feel almost like being chosen somehow, especially when it happened a while ago. I mean, nowadays it's out there in the world, and if somebody wants to do it, it's something that people are aware of. But but to have discovered it in in the 80s or the 90s, not to mention the 60s and 70s and times that some people discovered it, it's really cool. And then, of course, you get to have the benefits of, of doing this for a long time and knowing what that feels like. So it's not always easy, though. So we talked about most rewarding. How about most challenging? Hmm. That's a really, really good question because I feel like right now it's so easy to be vegan. You know, you live in New York City. I live in Los Angeles and, and we mentioned Detroit and, 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 you know, Kansas City. And it seems like no matter where I go, um, whether that's, you know, on the book tour or just, just traveling for pleasure, I've never had a situation where it was like, oh, it's so hard to be vegan in, in this city or this town. I somehow have always just found good options. So from a food perspective, I don't really think it's that challenging anymore. Um, for me, I guess the challenge is thinking about the best way to reach people. And that's always been my biggest challenge. You know, I, I, I kind of sometimes have those sleepless nights about how can I do more? How can I, how can I reach more people or, or open their hearts or open their minds? And you know, from a human psychology perspective, I guess that's the most challenging thing is, is what can I say? What can I do? How can I frame this, whether it's the food or the nutrition or the ethics to, to ch- you know, touch someone on a deep level? And, you know, people are motivated by so many things, you know, the fear of death, wanting to be healthier, uh, ethics, wanting to make sure their family is healthy. I don't know, just the psychology of it, I guess, Victoria, is, is the thing that I'm always trying to unlock and how can I reach people more effectively? Well, you were able to reach tons of people, uh, you know, in not exactly contemporary times, a couple of years ago, with your incredible show on Cooking Channel. So how did that happen? That was an interesting genesis of uh, 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 so many interesting factors that came through. Um, I was doing uh, the Longevity Now conference with with David Wolf back in Oh, this was a spring, spring of 2011. And one of the producers of the show uh, said, hey, my, you know, my daughter's a TV director and she, she has been thinking about producing a vegetarian or vegan TV series. Would you want to connect with her and discuss it? I said, sure, no, no, no worries. So 
Um, in early 2011, I hooked up with, um, uh, her name is Alana, and she's a director and producer, and she said, hey, you know, we've been wanting to create this series and pitch it to, uh, to Animal Planet. That was the original plan. I said, Animal Planet? She said, yeah, Animal Planet wants to do a, a show concept doing food uh, that doesn't use animals. I said, oh, well, that's, that's alternative. That's an interesting idea for their network. So we created this whole series and pitched it to Animal Planet, and, and they actually said they wanted to go with a guy that looked more rugged, like more, more like, a, I think they said a, a lumberjack-type look, which I definitely <laughs> don't have currently. Um, not going toward the lumberjack style. And we, we, we massaged the concept, and, and we ended up pitching it to uh, Food Network. And Food Network is, is the parent network of Cooking Channel. And they said, oh, wow, he's great. We love the reel. We love the concept. So they greenlit a pilot. Uh, the pilot episode went on in January 2013. And we had um, one of the highest rated pilots in the history of Cooking Channel. It was a huge response. So they greenlit uh, one season uh, of How to Lift to 100. That went on in um, early 2014. And we did one season, and it's been actually on in reruns for two years now. Uh, it's still on the air. Um, it's Monday mornings at 8.30 a.m. Uh, on Cooking Channel. You can still catch the series. That is so cool. And I love it that you went out to L.A. to be an actor. And it's so yeah. <laughs> fascinating to me how we do these things and we go to these places because we think we're going for one reason and we end up doing something else, but interestingly, something else that's related. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, and it was it was nice that I got to uh, to combine all of my loves and all my talents into into one thing. It felt very rewarding. Absolutely. Well, you have something coming up that's going to be really fun. You are traversing this country with eternity. Where are you going to be, and when, and how can we find you? Yeah, so um, so I've been on book tour since uh, since April. The book's been out since April, and uh, I've had the the pleasure of going to a lot of different cities and and going to Canada. The next, let's see, the next. I'm gonna look at my calendar really quick because there's more than a few. Um, for people in Los Angeles, I have an appearance at a, at Grassroots uh, Natural Market and Kitchen. We're doing a big event for Meatless Monday on August 29th. That's in Pasadena, California. Um, and then let's see, at the end of September, the last weekend in September, first weekend in October, I'm going to be doing the Longevity Conference in Orange County. Uh, that's David Wolf's event. There's going to be a lot of um, plant-based physicians, and I'll be there doing a food demo and some, some nutrition talks. Um, let's see, I'll be at, at Vegan Oktoberfest in Los Angeles on October 15th. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, I'm doing... Um, I am doing the Remedy Food Conference in Atlanta. That'll be uh, November 11th, 12th, and 13th. That's a fully plant-based nutrition conference in Atlanta. And then I'm going to be doing the Seed, uh, I'm sorry, before that, the Seed Food and Wine Festival in Miami, Florida. And that'll be the week of um, November 2nd through November 6th. Cool. I'm writing all these down. I'll put it in the show notes. Seed and then food. hopefully New York as well, because, right. you know, I haven't hit New York City yet, and it's definitely on my list. Well, we'll just uh, roll out the red carpet and all <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. It would be wonderful to see you in public, see you perform, and, and also to meet you. You have a beautiful way about you, a lovely presence. So here we are being vegan, 
And maybe we will one day stay at 96 along with George Bernard Shaw. I fear that I may live forever. A single beefsteak would kill me. I just don't believe that I could force myself to swallow it. So mm. in addition to being vegan, what should we do to end up as one of those 96-year-olds? You know, I think one of the biggest things is stress management and stress mitigation where uh, even if we're eating healthy and we have these great physical benefits of, of more energy and better sleep and uh, better sex and all of these things, you know, one of the biggest things that, that rob people of a long life is, is unabated stress. Um, and that does many things, you know, that they've shown that, um, you know, excess cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone, excess uh, adrenaline levels in our body can shorten our lifespan. Um, there's actually these, these little kind of uh, antenna on the end of our DNA strands are uh, called uh, um, telomeres. And they find that actually eating plant-based and doing things like meditation or daily exercise, any stress management techniques help to keep those telomeres long. And what that means is hopefully we're going to live a long time. So genetically, we found that if we do things, like I said, meditation, breath work, uh, daily exercise, and um, practicing, you know, loving forgiveness in our relationships, um, where we really let go of resentment and anxiety and anger toward others. These are all things that can contribute to longevity. So beyond the food, you know, there are a lot of other lifestyle practices that are so important in, um, you know, keeping us in our hearts, staying in gratitude, um, letting go of the anger and the stress, like I mentioned. Um, and hopefully these things will help us live as long as George Bernard Shaw or even longer, hitting that magical yeah. 100 mark. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love your phrase, too, stress mitigation. Because sometimes when I hear stress management, I think just what I need, one more thing to manage. <laughs> but just the idea of let's just, you know, we're going to have some stress because we're living on Earth, but let's just lower it a little bit. That's so easy. And when you describe those practices, the meditation, the breathing, the getting along, it just seemed like, you know what, that's going to be a delicious life no matter how many birthdays we're granted. So I like how you think and how you cook. Now, Thank you. You talk about superfoods in your book and in your work, and some people just roll their eyes and say, oh, good grief. <laughs> You know, any plant that comes in a color is a superfood, get over it, and what are you trying to sell me? And yet I have to say that whenever I put some macuna or something in my smoothie, I always feel like I'm getting something over on the Grim Reaper. What's your superfood philosophy? My superfood philosophy, and I, I love the visual of you getting one over on the Grim Reaper, by the way. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> i got to use that line. Um, it's you know, to me. I think there's two factors at play, and number one is even if we're eating organic, plant-based, locally grown, by and large, you know, we look at how mineral deficient most of our soil is compared to our grandparents' generation, say in the in the 20s and 30s, and that's been through a lot of practices: too many pesticides and herbicides and insecticides, uh, monocropping, not properly mineralizing the soil. And what we see is that there's actually less nutrients in our produce, by and large, than there was 60, 70 years ago. So that's one thing is, you know, I'm not going to sit down and eat, um, you know, a trough full of kale for every meal to try and get all of my vitamins and minerals. So what I think superfoods can offer 
is they offer two things. You know, they're generally grown um, by, you know, indigenous cultures that have used them for hundreds or thousands of years. Things like goji berries and maca powder, kamu kamu berries, acai. And what these offer are really nutrient-dense foods in very small packages because, you know, the soil there and the crops have not been abused like they have by and large here in the United States and in some portions of Canada and Europe. So when we get these superfoods, they're high in things like antioxidants, which keep our cells healthy. Um, like maca powder, for instance, helps to regulate our hormone levels and mitigate stress and anxiety because it's an adaptogen. So just a couple of those examples, again, I think are so important where it's a whole food source, but we're treating them kind of like a vitamin supplement you can add to your foods. Like, hey, if I get a few extra antioxidants and B vitamins and magnesium and hormone balancing, why wouldn't I want that? So there's a lot of interesting studies out there about superfoods. And my philosophy, Victoria, is pretty simple. You know, if, if you feel it and you add it to your smoothie or your soups or your, your stir fries and you feel a direct physical benefit, awesome, keep on using it. And if you don't, maybe it's not the right superfood for you. That could be. What are your favorites? Oh, goodness. Uh, I guess my top five, uh, I love goji berries. I, I throw them in place of raisins. You know, instead of oatmeal, I'll throw a handful in my smoothie uh, on top of salads. I love hemp seeds because they're 33% protein by weight, uh, tons of omega fatty acids, great source of fiber. Uh, chia seeds also complete protein, omegas, great fiber, a great energy source, especially right before you go into the gym or you go on a run. Um, what else is on that list? I got hemp seeds, chia seeds, goji berries. I love maca. I mentioned that. And then coconut oil. I really think coconut oil could be put in the superfood category um, simply because I think for people that are, are still doing a little bit of oil, if you're not completely oil-free, it's one of the healthiest cook cooking oils out there. And delicious. It so, is. And great for your skin, too. This is true. And hair and nails and there you go. We just saved a whole lot of money at the drugstore. We're going to spend <laughs> at the produce market. So you've talked about your favorite superfoods, but how about food foods, the big ones? Tell us the five foods you can't live without. Oh, my goodness. These are such good questions. <sighs> I'm going to go with quinoa. I probably eat quinoa four to five times a week in so many contexts, quinoa porridge for breakfast and, you know, cereals and stir fries. And quinoa is definitely on that list. Huge fan of mangoes. I love mangoes. Um, blueberries are on that list. Uh, did I say bro no, broccoli? I love broccoli. And then uh, chickpeas. I've been eating, actually, I like to call them garbanzos. It's more fun than chickpeas. Uh, garbanzo beans. I've been just eating a ton of garbanzo beans lately. I don't know if my body's on a kick or what the deal is, but uh, in hummus, in salads, all kinds of applications. I'd have to say that's my top five right now. It changes, but right now that's what we're going with. Yeah, this is such an interesting list. You remind me of my daughter as a little girl, raised vegan, who went through an extremely picky period. And I was afraid she really was going to be sick because she would only eat, I think it was sweet potatoes, avocado, tofu, seaweed, and mangoes. It was your mangoes that reminded me of it. So yeah. I, I went to a dietitian who put the thing through her computer, and she said, you know, it's very interesting if this is calcium-cultured tofu, she's really fine, and just 
don't worry so much about it and she'll start eating more stuff. So love your list. If you were on a desert island and you could only have five foods, this sounds like a pretty good list. Yeah, and if I could throw, you just mentioned one I completely forgot about. I feel so ridiculous for forgetting. I, I love avocado. Oh, oh, it's yeah. I gotta, I gotta throw a sixth one in there. Uh, avocado is definitely on that list. It's so good. You're entitled six. It just rained on the desert island, and the avocado tree <laughs> rooted. And you know, it's very interesting that that little um, Genesis Butler, this enchanting uh, nine-year-old who who was on the show just before you, talked about being teased at school because a little boy thought the avocado that she had in her lunch was weird. And, you know, that's just almost like somebody thinking that peace, love, and delight are weird because, bless their hearts, they've never experienced any. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. It, and, and, you know, it's so amazing. I caught the end of that, that interview you had with her, and um, the level of love and compassion and awareness that that little girl has is so inspiring to me. You oh. know, at, at nine years old, um, you know, she's changing the world, and she's going to keep changing the world. Absolutely. At, at nine years old, it's remarkable. Yeah, and, and presence, just that self-assuredness. I really do believe that there are some great souls coming onto the planet now because we need them. Yes, I so, agree. So we had a Mahatma Gandhi mount. Now maybe we'll have a Mahatma revolution, and we'll just have great <sighs> souls all over the place. So yeah, there, I think there, t- the timing is perfect. Yes, it is indeed. So Jason, you have this wonderful book, Eternity: More Than One Hundred Fifty Deliciously Easy Vegan Recipes for a Long, Healthy, Satisfied, Joyful Life. Gorgeous photographs. Beautiful, beautiful book. Everything Hay House does is wonderful. And this certainly um, does them proud, uh, and they're great people as it is. So there are lots of suggestions about getting healthy, but just in our last couple of minutes here, there are hurdles in our society that people face to being healthy. What are those, and how can people overcome them? I think the hurdles that I see that are most prevalent are uh, awareness, knowing what to eat and, and things that would be good and nourishing and healing for the human body. So it's, it's an awareness and knowledge issue. So uh, wanting to educate people about what to put in their bodies, the benefits of an organic alkaline plant-based diet and lifestyle. Number two, I think it's access. But we're kind of solving that access issue because in places that were food deserts previously, like Detroit, Michigan, where I grew up, Oakland, California, places in the south, we're seeing farmers markets pop up with organic locally grown produce. We're seeing vegan restaurants and so many thousands of new vegan products every single year hitting mainstream grocery store shelves. So we're getting a lot better on the access portion. Number three, I think it's affordability. And I get this one all the time is, oh, it's so expensive to eat vegan. I'm like, well, actually, no. If you look at a lot of vegetarian or vegan cultures, that have sustained themselves this way. I always bring up India and how many Hindus are in India or places that are economically challenged. And they're eating things like rice and lentils and vegetables. And you can buy these things in bulk. You can go to a CSA program and get your produce cheaper. So I think there's a myth in dispelling that. There's resistance to how expensive vegan food can be. But I think it's actually a lot more inexpensive than people think it is if we stay away from 
say, the convenience foods and the packaged foods. Um, and number four, I really think it's people's psychological resistance to the idea that healthy food isn't going to taste good. If you mention the word health food to people, they kind of wrinkle their noses and be like, ah, what do you mean? Like Brussels sprouts and, and what, are you, what are you talking about here? But I, I think through the art of vegan food having progressed so much now with so many great chefs and educators and Instagram stars and people doing it, we're showing people that, hey, you don't have to give up your favorite foods at all. You can have your burgers and your tacos and your pie and your ice creams and everything that you love with the same taste and texture, but it's going to be so much healthier, so much more healing for your body. So again, I think those are the biggest four factors that we have here, but um, I don't know. I I feel like there's just so much progress being made, Victoria. I, I feel very hopeful. I feel very positive about the progress we're making with, with educating people, giving them access to the food, making it more affordable and overcoming those psychological barriers. It's wonderful, and thank you so much for being part of breaking down the barriers and bringing on the deliciousness and and the health. Jason's Facebook page is Jason Robel Official. His website is jasonrobel.com. We will put those, all his social media, link to the book, and some of these cool things he's talked about, favorite superfoods and stuff like that. So you can just run out and say, I'm going to eat like that guy on TV. People have done stranger things than that and for less benefit. So, Jason, bless your heart. Thank you so very much. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for hosting us and having us, our engineer, Jeff Comfort, Genesis Butler. Oh, my gosh, I feel good about the future. And to all of you who are listening, thank you. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world.
A carpenter was working at a cathedral. He was laying tiles on the highest part of the roof and wasn't making an effort to do a good job. His foreman noticed the poor work and said, "You'll have to redo that portion of the roof and do it right." The carpenter asked, "Why? No one's ever going to see these tiles way up here." The foreman answered, "God will see them, and God is very particular." Although other people may not see it, the universe is aware of your attitude. So are you. Your attitude affects every aspect of your life. If you change your attitude, you will change your life. Changing your thoughts helps change your actions and can result in positive changes in the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.